This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I want us to take our Bibles this morning for a few moments, and I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we will be going momentarily to our our cornerstone, our, our foundational verse for the service this morning in chapter 11, but I, I wanted to share some things with you out of 1 Corinthians 15, and I'd like to call your attention to verse number 58. And this, this is an incredible verse of Scripture because it summarizes, I think with great depth, the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, I believe the, the flow of this whole chapter, if you, if you read this, in fact, it, it really sets the tone and it establishes the flow of the entire book of 1 Corinthians, but especially the last chapter. And uh, it, it's very meaningful to me and there are about three things in here that I want you to see before we get to our communion aspect, and that will come out of chapter 11. But I want to read this passage for you in 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul is writing in chapter 15 and in verse number 58. As he's moved by the Holy Spirit of God to write, this is what he says. Therefore, and I want you to notice that word has a comma after it. My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This, this particular chapter, I think, especially when we come to this particular verse, it gives clarity on doctrine and application. Those are essential things concerning the Word of God. Doctrine is paramount. If we're wrong on doctrine, we're wrong on everything. We have to be clear and solid on doctrine. But it's not just what we have stored up in our heads, but it's mainly about what we let flow through our heart. And so that's so important. And so doctrine and application, they go hand in hand. And this verse summarizes it all together. And I want to give you an admonishment because most of you know that on September the 7th, our church experienced one of the largest disasters that we have ever gone through as a congregation. And that is that storm on Thursday night, September the 7th, destroyed, completely destroyed our church parsonage where currently Brother Greg and Sister Granda are living, or living. And uh, it, it uh, was devastating, and it still is. And whenever we get to things like this, uh, just naturally, when you experience uh, a setback in your own personal life, you, you can only... Um, 
If you're walking with God, Brother David taught a great lesson this morning in Sunday school about walking with the Spirit. If you're walking with God and you have a close relationship, you know, there's an old song that says, and he walks with me and talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. If you have that kind of a relationship with the Lord, you wake up in the morning and you're walking with God. Listen, it doesn't matter how how close you are to him, because we do have this human nature inside of us when these kind of things beset us, that they really affect our lives. They affect our thinking. It affects our emotions. Uh, it affects our decisions. So many things happen when, when we are brought to the threshold of a crisis, uh, trouble, setbacks, whatever it is that we are discouraged about, and we can easily be discouraged. Now, we have a great dependency on the Holy Spirit. We need him. There's a song that says, I need thee every hour. Bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. All of us need the Spirit of the living God. Every breath we take, every step we take. And so when we come to places like this in our life, if if we're not really, truly camping near the cross, you remember that old song, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a precious fountain. Free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. If we're not camping near the cross when things like this happen in our life, and and I'm using this morning what our church is currently going through as an illustration, but there are times when your 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 personal lives are hampered and they are affected by the storms of life, just the storms of life. Generalities of things that just seem to turn your world upside down. This thing that happened to our church on September the 7th literally turned our our work upside down. And it sort of like not only turned it upside down, but it was shaking everything about us to our core to so many decisions and so so many hoops to jump through and so many decisions to make and and so so much that has to be precise. And uh, all the while, it's good ideas coming your way and not so good ideas coming your way. And all this stuff mixed together. And a lot of these things we're dealing with on out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. But I will tell you, as as we think about the Christian walk and the things that come into our life and and distress us, when we come to a verse of scripture like this, this is, this is the ultimate victory verse, I think. And that's why I believe it really is a great summary of the entire book of 1 Corinthians. But you might say, well, preacher, how in the world can you be so positive and upbeat? And uh, how can we continue to keep marching on and, and, and keeping the faith? when something as catastrophic as this that has happened to us. And not only that, in just recent days, we've had several of our members to go on to be with the Lord. We had Brother Herb Thompson, Sister Phyllis Hendrick, Brother Bob Christian. I mean, we know where they are. We know where they're at. They're in heaven. But so many things pull us. We think, God, I don't know that I can take it another step. I don't know that I can take another breath. Brother Paul experienced the same thing in his 
family, his house, living room, his front room. Was it your living room that was completely destroyed by the storm, brother? Yeah. I mean, things, things rock our world. And yet we come to a scripture like this where Paul says, and this is the word, this is the front word that I want you to look at, the word therefore. That's an important word. The word therefore summarizes the entire chapter. And in my opinion, it summarizes the entire book. But, and let me give you just a little bit of what I'm talking about. Uh, because in this chapter alone, in verses 1 through 11, we find the trust of the gospel. Now, I'm going to alliterate this for you. And, and these words start with the letter T. I don't know that, uh, these, these guys back here in the back, they're like, they're like, uh, gospel magicians. <laughs> that's, that's what I call them sometimes, gospel magicians, because, uh, they, they do a lot of stuff back there that's not natural. So I don't know if they can do this, uh, this morning, but what I'd like, if it's possible, and I know that I'm asking a lot out of you guys right now, but if you could just maybe like put number one in a dot, and then what I'm going to tell you, and then put number two and a dot, what I'm going to tell you, and just keep following me like that, um, so that they can get the whole the gist of what I'm saying. Normally I have some of my outlines ready for them, and uh, with Gail and I being gone this week, I did not do that. So I don't know, um, fellas, if this is possible. By the way, they were just telling me we had a problem with my microphone. Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah. All right. Okay, so... Brother Justin, just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Is what I'm getting ready to do impossible? Did he just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? <laughs> I thought that's what he said. Okay, so let's clear the board. We're going to start with uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. If we can get a blank screen up there, and he puts number one. We're off to a good start. I want you, to, I want you to think about this because I, I want to summarize this whole chapter for you because it hinges on this one word, therefore. So right beside number one, I want you to put, um, chapters 15, one through 11. And some of you guys back there work with him, help him now. Or don't just stare at him, tell him what to do. All right. First Corinthians 15 verses one through 11. That's good. All right. I want you to put this. We can trust the gospel. And I want you to underline the word trust. If you're taking notes as well, you don't have a bulletin this morning to work out of, but I, I want you to underline the word trust. We, because in these particular verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11, you find the trust of the gospel. And this is what Paul illustrates. Man, we're doing great. All right, number two, real quickly, I want you to write this up here. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 23, we find the testimony, underline the word testimony, we find the testimony of the resurrection. And then number three, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24 through 28, we find the triumph. Some of you guys got to help him now. We find the triumph of the future kingdom, and that's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24 through 28. Now, I'll be finished this before they do, so 
um, we'll, we'll move to chapter 11. I, I knew I was, oh, look at there. I, I was asking a little too much. Now we're going to get to about five on here and they'll have to start over. But I want you to see this. If I were to give you a bulletin this morning, give you an outline, this is what would be on it. We can trust the gospel. We find the testimony of the resurrection. We find the triumph of the future kingdom. Number four, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 29 through 34. We find the trouble and underline the word trouble. And again, this is alliterated and all of these particular words uh, but again, with the letter T, we find that we are assured of trouble. We are assured of it. Paul does a great job reminding us of that as believers. And then number five, 1 Corinthians verse 35 through 49, we have the transformation. Keep that in mind, the transformation that will take us to heaven. All right, so that's number five. Now, I do have two more points. So, if you can, there you go. And uh, if you are writing this down, I want you to have this because we're going to come back to verse number 58 in just a minute and keeping in mind all of these important things here. But number six, and if they clear that board uh, and then put these two up here, First uh, Corinthians verse 50 through 56, we find the translation that's different than the transformation. We find the translation that will take us to heaven. And then we have, finally, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. Paul writes about the thanks, and we underline this word thanks, the thanks that we owe to God. So when you think about all of these particular things now, and this is, this is why I wanted you to see it, because it's so much that chapter 15 alone speaks about. And when you think about all of these important components of just this one chapter, then you come to verse number 58 after everything you've just seen. We come to verse number 58 and it says this, as we, if we were to travel through the entire chapter this morning, and we come through all of this, verse 58, therefore, and then there's a comma. After all of this, Paul says, now because of all of this, he said, in the midst of all of this, as you move forward and press on in all of this, he says this, therefore, remember now, after all of these things, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Because of all of this, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So if I were going to categorize everything that we've just talked about in these seven entities of 1 Corinthians 15, I would label that as Roman numeral one, but then I would get to number two, point number two, and that would be, and we would, all of this now resembles the word steadfast. Number two, we come across this word unmovable. And I will say this about this one word, unmovable. 
There has never been a time in Christianity, and I'm talking about even in the dark ages, and I thank God for the forefathers that stood the test of time, who believed not only with their mouth, but with their heart, who gave their lives for the gospel so that you and I could sit here today in Buford Road Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia, with a gospel that crossed many oceans that required a lot of blood. And we can sit here today in our hometown, in our home city, and we can sing the songs of Zion. We can worship the Lord. We can pray. We can raise our hands because of what our forefathers did. Praise God for that. But there has never been, I believe, a more important time in your life and my life than right now in our Christianity is for us to be firm with our faith. You would be surprised of the things that happen in people's lives that it would almost seem as though that the first drop of a feather, something happens out of the norm and we have a little inconvenience and people want to quit on God and get mad at God and, and, and doubt the scriptures and all of these things. Listen, we are living in unprecedented times. We're living, we're, this, the world is in a place right now where if, if we, if we bend and bow in our faith, if we, if we cave in our faith, you saw these two girls sing up here this morning. One of these days we're going to need a young preacher up here. We'll need some more young deacons in this church. Listen, if, if we're not firm where we need to be, I ask you in Jesus' name, what kind of church are we going to be passing off to our grandkids? But here's the thing. If we're, if we're not firm in our faith, it, the, the, it's a nightmare. I don't know if you think about it as much as I do, but it's a nightmare to me, if we're not firm in our faith, firm in our doctrine and firm in our application. But there's a one more word here. And Paul says, always abounding. And that is doing everything that God has required us to be. I don't know about you. When I think about heaven, and I'll share some of this in the service on Wednesday as we celebrate the life of Brother Bob Christian. But I'll tell you this. Out of everything that I know to be true about heaven, and, and so, so much is given to us, we don't have to imagine things. We're told in the Word about a street of gold, the gates of pearl, the walls of jasper, a river that'll never run dry, a tree that bears 12 manners of fruit, We talk about the New Jerusalem that's going to be a heavenly city built 1,500 miles four square. We talk about all of these where, where our loved ones are, where Peter, James, and John throughout the endless ages. We, we sing so many times when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Look, we think about all of that stuff but I will tell you this, if walls there weren't Jasper, and if streets weren't made of gold, and if mansions would crumble, 
and the folks still grew old. Still I would see everything that my soul longs to see because Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me. And out of everything that's there, and out of everything that awaits me, two things, two words matter to me more than anything. Well done. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. I promise you, God is not a debtor to anybody. And if you do what this book says, always abounding in the work of the Lord, remember this, one of these days, you will hear these words, well done. Well, as I was examining 1 Corinthians for this communion service, I want you to go back with me to chapter 11 because we're going to come to the table of the Lord now and our deacons will help us here in just a moment. And I want you to look at verse number 26, because, um, there, there, by the way, there's no set time in the scriptures for communion. Uh, some church, and I'm not saying it's wrong, some churches do it weekly, some people do it monthly, some people do it quarterly, some people do it semi-annually, it doesn't make matter. That's not The word does not give a specific set amount of times to do it. But what the word does make clear is, Often as you do it, when you do it, and verse 26 makes that plain, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And so what has been established in the early days of Christianity has been passed on to you and I. We're still fulfilling these commandments of the Lord. In verse 27, wherefore whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So, first of all, how does a person take communion unworthily? If you're not saved, that's number one. You need to be born again, washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But number two, you need to have your sins confessed. And in just a few moments, these lights will be dimmed. Brother Adam will begin to play. And we will have a moment here to where we can do business one-on-one with God And I encourage you that whatever's wrong, make it right with the Lord. Nobody here is anybody's judge. There's only one Holy Spirit. He's in you if you are a believer. He moves in your life like he moves in mine. He will reveal to you the weak spots, the troubled spots, the needful spots. He'll speak all of that to you. You will know it. So whatever's wrong, get it right. And here's the thing in the scripture says, because if we do it unworthily, in fact, verse 28 says, let a man examine himself. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a moment here where we just individually, one-on-one, whatever's wrong, get it right. Let a man examine himself so, so he can eat the bread and he can drink the cup. Verse 29, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, and this is a stern warning, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Now, again, I stress this. I teach you all the time. You cannot take the Bible out of context. 
The word damnation here is not in the connotation of the word hellfire. So it doesn't mean that if you take communion unworthily that you will die and go to hell. That does not apply to, that's not what this scripture is saying. That's not what it means. The word damnation here, the connotation of that word in the context of this scripture is that if you eat or if you take communion unworthily, then you are inviting the wrath of God, the judgment of God upon your life. And if if we do that, verse 30 says, because of this or for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, many sleep. And verse 31, for if we were judge ourselves, and again, I'm not your judge. I don't ever want to be your judge. Don't, yeah, it, it would be wrong if, if you were, and now if you were at a crossroad and you came to me for advice, I would give you godly wisdom. The word of God assures me and he assures you that if you need wisdom, you can go to the throne of grace. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and upbraid it not. So I'm not the only one here in this church with wisdom, but I do have a lot of it and I'm glad to share it with you but I'm not your Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit and you have to do business with him. So I cannot judge you. You cannot judge your neighbor. Verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. And that's one of the marks of identification that you are a child of God because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. That we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest, this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, because it echoes the scripture of John 14, and that is this. Jesus said, and the rest will I set in order. Notice these three glorious words. When I come. Not if I come, but when I come. We have the blessed assurance that Jesus is coming again. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.